0: Well, it is good to be back. What did you say? Oh, all I heard was wong, Mong. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always good to be away. Uh, my wife came and picked me up and I prayed with her. I said, God, thanks for taking me and thanks for bringing me home. Amen. I have grown to love Africa, but I don't want to stay there. <laughs> and uh, I got to experience some amazing things this trip, once in a lifetime experiences. But when, it, when it's all said and done, I go there to train pastors and to equip them uh, better. And so uh, we got to go to a couple of places where I've been before and meet friends that I've made over the past two years. And and um, stay in contact with them that was great to see what God is doing in their lives and I'll show you a little bit of that here in a bit but we also got to go to a couple extremely small towns where the pastors don't have resources and they don't, you can't just get on the internet and go look it up and um, a lot of times when I'm there I, I preach uh, I do a teaching on staying I've done it here uh, years ago Acts chapter 1 about Jesus said stay in Jerusalem and wait in the place that was the most dangerous the most difficult place for them to be they just witnessed Jesus being killed and and so Jesus reveals himself to the disciples he says don't leave Jerusalem stay and I'll empower you and so I preached that in a little town called Kehancha might have been 40 pastors there in this seminar compared to Kisi where there was almost 300 pastors so we're in this little town in a tin can. Like I looked around and went, they didn't put any windows in this church. It was just tin all the way around tin on the roof. It's about 110 degrees in that place. And uh, thank God for right, right guard or whatever. Yeah, I mean, jeez. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Like, this is a wonderful experience. I preached that sermon to those 30, 40 pastors. The guy shows up the next day Comes up to my buddy Dan Carver with uh, tears welling up in his eyes. He says, I was ready to quit yesterday when I came here. He said, it's tough. It's difficult. When I say difficult, these guys might make $100 every two months. It's hand to mouth. He says, I was ready to give up, but I'm not now. I'm going to wait until God empowers me. Amen. So um, Dan looked at me and said, man, Chris, it's all worth it. It's all worth it for that right there. It's all worth it. So I'm excited. I'm so excited to be home. You have no idea. Uh, I was called Mazungu so many times I didn't even pay attention anymore. Mazungu means white man. <laughs> and uh, it's not a racist remark. It's just what it is. And, and so we were so far out that a lot of the kids had never seen a white person before. And I scared a lot of kids, actually, they were like, "Man, when you brought the white guy, you brought the white guy uh, and so i'm you know up against one of these kids, and he's, he's their mom's holding him, and he's like "Ah!" and for some reason, a lot of the teenagers think the younger even younger the teenagers, they think that they're they're shocked that white skin can hold blood and and so they touch you to see if blood will come out, um, and I have more hair on my arms and an African, so they're rubbing your arm like, ooh, this is strange. Like, you're warm. How does that work? Um, so hey, we're riding with a window down, you hear, mazungu, Mzungu! And then all everybody's looking over, and you're like, it's me! I'm here. Go ahead and get the looking over. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. But... Um, I'll talk to you a little more. If you want to know more, just... And see me. I'll put some stuff on Facebook and Instagram if you follow me. But oh, God just had amazing opportunities to minister to people. And I'll I tell you, I, I, it, Africa is so drastic in everything. I was probably in, in one of the poorest places I've ever been. And then I believe I was probably with the richest human being I've ever stood beside. He was 34 years old. He's building a 13 story five-star hotel in the middle of this town we were in and I thought can you imagine any place else where the difference is so drastic and so we were with people who were cooking chicken heads and then I was riding a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes Benz and uh, it was just a drastic drastic comparison uh, but I want to let you know the gospel goes forward in both of those worlds One's not good and one's not bad. Gospel goes forward in both of those worlds. I'm thankful for both of them. I'm thankful to have been in both of them. Because the food's better in one. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> but um, I'm just thankful that God can use us. I want to talk about, more about that today. I'm thankful for the support of this church. I'm thankful that we can go far and wide. And I bragged about you guys to all the pastors that I was part of. I was like, my church is better than yours. Hands down. But I was able to say this. Um, I was able to say that, that look, I I said, I'm not in my church. I won't be preaching there for two weeks. And and, um, somebody else will be preaching there. And I'm happy about that. And God is blessing the church. And I said, if more people come on the day I'm not there, then when I am there, that means I've done my job. And that the blessing of God is in the church and and so sometimes that's new concepts to them um, so I was bragging about you and how you take the gospel forward and how you do such a great job at it and so you're a little bit famous anyway and uh, if you didn't see I'm going to show you this church here in a little bit but Guncha Pentecostal Church with Evans and Doso if you remember two years ago when I went to Kenya um, he was the guy in the plaid jacket You might be able to see it on facebook if you go way back on my thing uh but he uh he was like i went i went to greet edges v and i was like yeah you got it man hedgesville i i meet him i've stayed in contact with him the last two years he's a wonderful pastor he's about a year older than me and uh and and i'm like evans man we got to do another video before i leave so we were at the last seminar and i said man we got to do this video and he said he said, you're at Hedgesville Church, right? And I'm like, what? You said it perfect. That's awesome. And so he's, he's a video that I put on. If you follow Hedgesville Church, you saw it. And he didn't even miss a beat. He was like, you're at Hedgesville Church, right? And I'm like, dude, you're amazing. So uh, it was a great time. And I'm so thankful for those of you that supported. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. Stand with me. Turn your Bible to Luke. Chapter 5. Talking about rule breakers i saw on facebook uh, pastor adam did a wonderful job two weeks ago i said i saw on facebook pastor adam did a wonderful job two weeks ago uh, there you go there you go and then uh, mark mason was here yeah last week the living definition of a rule breaker um, I texted him that morning because I'm seven hours ahead when I'm in Kenya. So it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I texted him when we got back to the hotel and I said, um, hey, thanks for doing this. Don't screw up my church. <laughs> and he texted me back and said, too late. So um, thankful that you're here this week. And you didn't you weren't like, well, we're not coming back after that whack job. Um, I'm thankful for what he's doing all across the country. Uh, in prisons and biker rallies and ministering to the incarcerated church. I'm thankful for your support. I texted him and said, after that, I said, hey, uh, did they take an offering for you? Because I don't even remember telling him to do that. And he said, oh, yeah. And I was like, thank God. So then he told me how much it was. I was like, hey, you're going to have to get some of that back. (laughs) We're not doing that. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him through on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today father we thank you lord for your word we know it has the infinite ability to change our lives every time we look into it so we pray that it would do that today or change us for your glory in christ's name we pray amen and amen all right you may be seated we're talking about rule breakers and i told you a couple weeks ago that i'm inherently probably more of a rule breaker Uh, I don't like rules just because of rules. I don't like, I think some of them are dumb. Just, I think the yellow signs on exit ramps that say 30 miles an hour are stupid. If my car will do 60, why wouldn't I do that? So um, that's one reason I like Africa because there's not many traffic laws. And if they are rules about traffic, nobody cares. And so if you're following behind somebody, you just pass them. And if there's a car coming, that car's going to have to slow down because you're busy passing somebody. And um, so it's quite exciting wherever you drive. Very exciting. But Rule Breaker, we, we, I want to talk to you today about innovation. I believe, personally, I've had this conversation with our staff before, that I believe that, um, that we can be an innovative church. That location, the geographic location... Um, any, any, anything that you would associate with being out here in Hedgesville uh, and, and being the type of people we are, I don't think that limits us on being creative and innovative. Amen? We have access to the most cre- creative entity the world has ever known, the one who breathed life into humans, the one who, when there was no light, spoke into darkness and said, let there be light, and light popped out. And so we are directly contacted with him. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me and I in you. He said if we're connected to him, we have the most creative juices flowing through us the world has ever seen. And so regardless of our geographic or demographic, that we have the capability to be innovative and creative. And why not here? Why not here? Why not in this town? Why not the gospel go forward in the most creative and innovative way anyone has ever seen from here? I ask that all the time. Why not? Because the rules say we can. And so I started looking at this portion of scripture and realized that that a lot of times we are not innovative or creative because of the rules that we've given ourselves, the rules that we govern our lives by, what we believe is possible, what we believe is impossible. And so... Here you have a story of Jesus. If you go back to Mark, Mark and Luke give a graphic description of what's going on here in in this account. If you go back to the, I believe it's the first chapter of Mark, Mark explains that Jesus had just before this healed a man with leprosy. And he told him, hey, don't go and tell anybody. And what happens is, I don't know if you've ever been healed with leprosy, but it's not like you can keep your mouth shut. It's like, dude, last time I saw you last week, your arm was ready to fall off, and now it's fine. You're like, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? The whole leprosy thing, nobody ever, everybody dies from that, but I just seem to be fine. I couldn't give you a reason why Jesus did it. Um, um, you know, don't tell anybody, I just healed you from leprosy. But Jesus knew that as soon as the word got out, that it would be impossible for him, for him to move around very easily. Now, what you have to understand in this culture is that people can show up out of nowhere very rapidly. It's not like America where you have to have an appointment for somebody to be there. If something happens on the side of the road or something happens in a village, it does not take long for the whole village to realize somebody that's not from there is all of a sudden there and doing something amazing. I have walked in villages before as the only white man or one of three white men and the other two were with me. And it didn't take long for everybody in the village then to be right in front of us pointing at the Mazungu. And the kids going, <laughs> and then you taking out your phone and, you know, snapping pictures with all of them and um, realizing what an anomaly you are. It doesn't take long for word to spread, and Jesus knew that, so he told the guy, don't say anything. But you know what happens? He went out and told everybody, and so Jesus, a couple days later, Mark says, goes into this town and goes into a house. And as you can imagine, it didn't take long for enough people to get there to fill up the whole house. And not only fill up the whole house, Mark gives a description that it was also around the outside of the house to the point that you couldn't see in the door. So it's an excitement in the air. There's also teachers of the law and Pharisees in the house. They showed up early to make sure the rules were followed. And we have a situation where, where there's an invalid man with four friends who decide... To pick him up and take him to the house. Now they show up late, obviously. Now I need to let you know in that culture that it's much different from American culture where we have a schedule. How many of you like schedules? You like promptness and on time. Well you'd have to get over yourself in that culture. Because people show up when they show up. And we would go into a town and say the seminar was going to be at nine, and we show up at eight and people would show up at ten. And they'd be excited to be there at ten. We're here. It's like, you're an hour late? Yeah, but we're here. And so we'd have to tell them, are you coming on Africa time or Christian time? Say, okay, tomorrow it's going to start at 9 o'clock. And we'd show up at 8.30, ready to preach at 9, and at 10 o'clock, everybody would show up. You're like, why fight it? So time is a little bit different. In other cultures, we are Americans who every second counts. You We've been taught you can't get back time. Time is more valuable than money because you make more money, but you can't make more time. And so we are scheduled to death, and we are on point every minute of the day. It's got to happen this way. you got to clock in the right time, clock in at the right time, go to lunch at the right time, schedule the meeting at the right time. You always have to be on time. If you're, if you're on time, that means you're late, right? You have to be 15 minutes early, all that stuff. Well, you find out that other cultures, just like, dude, when we get there, we get there. And if I just happen to stop by and see one of my relatives, I'm not going to get there when you want me. And so um, you, you learn to kind of settle in with it a little bit. So, so these people showing up late wasn't a big deal necessarily. It just meant they were outside. And one of the most important things, I think, right at the beginning of looking at this is that they showed up. And here is a man who on his own power and by his own means could not get there, but he had four friends that picked him up and carried him there. And and I don't know about you, but I pray to the end of my days that I'm surrounded with friends who will pick me up in the worst times of my life and take me to Jesus. As a church, we should be confident that there's people here that would do the same. In the worst times of our lives, they'll come around our mat and they'll pick us up and they'll say, man, you're going to be late, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And so they show up. And that's one of the most important things you could do. Determine in your mind that you're going to show up. If God is moving, show up. You know, the Bible says that do not forsake yourselves, the gathering together of believers, uh, even more so as the day of the Lord approaches. And, and, and I know sometimes on a Sunday morning, there's other things on your schedule. And we don't even mind you coming late. Matter of fact, we've come to expect it. We just feel like the first song's a throwaway. Like, oh, you could sing ACDC, the first song, nobody ever know, because they don't even come till after we collect the offering. <laughs> that was so mean. <laughs> I learned at African churches, they collect the offering at the end because they know you're going to be late, so they're like, we're going to wait till everybody gets here. <laughs> show up. Just show up. Look at your neighbor and say, man, even if I'm late, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. Okay, what do they show up to? And this is where rules come into play because oftentimes when we show up to difficulties in our lives, the rules that have governed us up to that point in time will dictate our response. And so what we believe is possible, what we believe is impossible will dictate our response to the problem in front of us. So these four men and the men and the invalid on the on the mat, they get to the place and they can't even see inside the building now because the crowd inside and outside is so packed that there's no way to get access. So the issue is when you show up, what do you see? Because everything, the rules that govern your life up to the, up to this time will dictate what you see when you get there. And oftentimes because we are Americans and we're, you know, you're supposed to stand in line and you're not supposed to skip ahead and you're supposed to obey the rules. That's why I hate amusement parks. <laughs> now, if you love amusement parks, just turn your, turn it off for a second because I'm going to rant here for about 30 seconds. Amusement parks make me crazy. Because I go there and I spend good, hard-earned money to, to get a ticket and to go into the amusement park, then the first thing I want you to do is stand in line for hours for a 30-second ride and then do it over again all day long. And I mean, I could take about three of those cycles and then I'm just like, get me out of here. I'm getting ready to. I'm skipping in front of the line. I don't care what anybody says. No, but we're taught very early on that it's got to be fair. And you stand in line, you do what you're told, you go to the DMV. <laughs> now I just related to everybody. They're like, yep. I started buying new cars just to avoid the DMV. <laughs> it's about new car, used cars on But I'm like, wait a second. I've got to buy a used car. i got to go to the DMV every time I buy a used car. I'm going to have to work on this. Go to the DMV. Just stand in line. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just just do the rules. Those are the rules. And we've been taught as Americans not that everything has to be fair and the rules have to be followed. And You can't skip out of line. You can't jump ahead. You can't do all these things. So when we show up to problems, we are looking for rules to follow during the problem. So we show up to the problem and we go, there's a crowd, it's too crowded inside, I have to be polite, too crowded outside, I have to be polite, so now I'm out here, still crippled. No chance to get into Jesus. Because of the rules we, the, the, the way we govern our lives. And we, so we see the impossible and we believe it. And so we say you know what, it's, it's, it wouldn't be fair for me to jump ahead. It wouldn't be fair for me to have more than everybody else. It wouldn't be fair for me to do this. It wouldn't be fair for me to do that. And so we let all those things govern what we do and how we view the problem in front of us. And so we sit outside. Jesus is inside getting ready to do the miraculous while we're outside trying to figure out it wasn't fair. And I don't know about you, but I tell my kids all the time, get over it, suck it up, it's not fair. It will never be fair. Don't ever expect it to be fair. If you're waiting around on fair, you're going to be an old person. Disappointed. Get up and figure out a different way. Figure out a different way. That's where innovation comes in, isn't it? See, the amazing part is one person, by the rules they're governed with, can look at a problem, only see the problem. Another person by, that can be op- governed by no rules, can look at the problem and go, oh, wait a second, I see a solution. It's not what anybody in the building was thinking, but it will work. And then you have to argue with the people who follow the rules, right? Well, you can't, don't tell me I can't do that, don't. Because I'm going to step on you while I'm doing it, and then it's going to be humiliating. So these guys show up and and, and they... They, they come to a realization that, look, what, what's happening right now is not going to work for us. And so I want to ask you, when you show up to a problem, do you see the problem or do you see, do you automatically see a solution? or How do you see it? They, some people showed up and saw a crowd. These four guys showed up and saw a ladder. And they thought, why wouldn't we get on the roof? You know why we don't go on the roof Sometimes is because you're afraid as you're climbing up on top of the roof, everybody that's standing outside is going to go, you can't do that. Isn't that true? Have you ever stepped out of line sometimes in your life and you were getting ready to do something innovative, you are getting ready to do something that maybe nobody had ever done before, and the people who stood there and looked at the ladder the whole time they were standing in line started screaming at you? You can't do that. That's not fair. You can't get on the ladder. I've been standing here the whole time. And my response to them would be, the ladder's been here the whole time you've been here. But you chose not to climb up it. So don't hate on me when I climb up it. I don't have to follow your rules because they're not my rules. Come on, say amen. Amen. So, these guys climb up the ladder. And so often in our lives, we're afraid to step out. We're afraid to do something maybe nobody else has done. We're afraid to trust God and the thing about it is as I remember the scripture says he will make a way where there seems to be no way now we just sang that right and what you the misconception about that is that there is no way and that God comes along and makes a way where there is no way Amen. but that's not what it says it says he will make a way where there seems to be no way <laughs> you see because here's the thing We talk about this, um, that I serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever ask or imagine, according to the power that works within me. That there is nothing impossible for God, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So actually, there's a way every time. Every time there's a way. So it's not he makes a way where there is no way, every time there's a way and he shows you what that way is. So when you show up with the way you govern yourself with fear and, and, and fairness and all these, all these rules that we superimpose on ourselves to make us look like we're proper Americans, right? We show up to the party and we don't see a way, so we're just, we, we, we just assume that there is no way just because we haven't seen it. And he says, I will make a way where you can't see it. So because I'm all powerful and all knowing and I'm, and I'm everything that you're not, I can always see a way where you don't see any. And so really what I need you to do is come expecting there to be something that you haven't seen yet. And if you will show up to the situation going, God, I see a crowd, but I know there's a ladder somewhere. Just show me where the ladder is. And yet so often in our lives, we show up to the problem and we go, ah! There's no solution. And me and my wife have walked through this with things in our lives where we show up where Jesus is. We believe He's there. We show up and we're looking around the crowd and we're like, ah, what is going on? We can't get to Him. We've all this work to drag this cripple here. And, and we got our... Come on, you've, you've dragged your problems to Jesus before only to stand in line. And not be able to think, why, What is he going to get to me? When is he going to get to me? When is he going to get to me? We stand in line and we don't see it. And, and I'm going, God, did you just bring me here to stand outside? And he's like, dummy, the ladder's been there the whole time. And then you start thinking, do we have enough strength to drag this problem up the ladder? Do I really have enough strength to drag this guy up the ladder? So they do. Now, I'm going to use a little leeway here. But could you imagine everybody else who's been standing there waiting to see Jesus, seeing those four guys in the cripple climb up the ladder to the roof, and them going? What are they doing? What are they doing? Not allowed to skip in front. Not allowed to get up on the ladder. Who said they could? That's not even their house. How did they get up on the roof? You know, the haters always show up when you start to do something innovative, don't they? (laughs) Parent your kids a little different. Well, that ain't going to work. Well, I watched how your kids turned out, so I thought I'd try something different. (laughs) Hey. is the most creative and yet we just fall in lockstep do what everybody else is doing so these guys jump out listen, I want to tell you a story you can put that first slide up two years ago I was in Kenya uh, right outside of Kisi which is a decent town decent sized town but this is outside of the town it's on a place called the Gucha River and right at the end of this bank that you see going down the hill uh, is a river right at the end. My good friend, Tom Arati, who I've traveled with for the past three years, he's come and stayed in my house. He's an innovative African. He, he doesn't believe anything's impossible. I can tell you that right now. This is a man who I've stood two years, uh, uh, two different times in his parents' house watched. Um, it's in the village. There's no road to his parents' house. There's a path. And I stand beside a man who uh, was the first one in his family in a pair of pants, go to school, graduate, go to university, drive a car, the first one in his village. Now he pastors 1,800-member church in Mombasa, Kenya. The church building is massive. they got parking underneath of it. We got armed security guards all around it. He's in a very dangerous place, and he plants churches all over Kenya. I asked him. I said, "Tom, are you coming to my house this year in the fall?" He said, "Chris, I can't. We're planting two churches. I got to be here." I said, "Well, I guess that's fine." <laughs> We're planting churches everywhere. So the funny thing, I'm, I'm asking an African how to plant churches in other places. So two years ago, we stood on the bank right here. Now there's a, probably a 50 foot decline from the road down to where this piece of ground is but this ground went like this really sharp straight down into the river and so nobody wanted it the guy that owned it couldn't sell it and so tom came along and asked him what he'd take for it and he gave him peanuts for it very cheap inexpensive piece of land the guy said i have no idea why you want this so we're going to build a church here and so when i showed up there they had hired an excavator and dug this part out and it's very difficult to tell from the picture, but it is a long ways down from the top up there down to where we're standing in the bottom. And it's probably 50, 60 feet, maybe more than that. And I was looking at Dan, uh, one of the other three white guys that was with me, and I said, Dan, I don't, man, I, it looks like that bank's going to fall in. Like, I don't know how they're going to do this. This makes no sense whatsoever. And so we stood on the property and prayed over it, and they were getting rid of poor footers and all this stuff. And, and Tom is telling me, Chris, we're going to build a two story building on this thing. We're going we're to we're do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And I'm going, God bless you, man. Because I don't know if this is going to work. But see, Tom is not governed by the same rules that I am. Tom doesn't have county bureaucracies to work through. <laughs> Tom Tom goes in and says, hey, we're going to build a building on this church. You guys okay with that? They're like, we're going to build a building on this property. You okay? Yeah, man, we're glad you're here. Now, not all the walls are perfectly straight. But I came back there this year. And uh, matter of fact, there's a gas station in front of this property. When I say gas station, that's a loose term. It's dirt with two gas pumps and, and a little building. They had purchased the gas station. They took out a loan and purchased the gas station. And and Evans, the pastor of this church, said, um, so we pay the gas station off. It will give us consistent income. And in the little building that was there the gas station, they thought, well, nobody's built on top. We'll just build a second story on top of the gas station and make that the church office. So the church office is on top of the gas station, which is in front of this place. I'm like, dude, you guys are amazing. So we get there. And I walk out behind the gas station and walk up the steps to the church office. I turn around, and this is what I see. Can you go the slide with the? Isn't that crazy. Now it is not complete by any stretch of the imagination. There's a roof and some concrete walls. There's no windows. There's only two doors in the whole building, and they're meeting in there right now through the generosity of some people here at Hedgesville Church. They're able to purchase some windows now to go in that building and to seal it up. And so that's what it looks like on the inside. They need a few windows to keep the rain out. But we met there on a Sunday night and were able to bless them and experience the thing. Now, the way their rules govern their minds is that God can do anything. Anything's possible. And so the the crazy part was, after they built the church, the guy that sold them the land was irritated. Because now he realized that the rules that governed his thinking were inadequate. And so he sold the land to people that were rule breakers. And they didn't care what anybody else thought. They'll dig a hole in the side of the mountain and build a church in it. And now it's more valuable than he ever dreamed it could have ever been. And now he's like, well, now he's all upset about it. And, and, and along the side of the church, this front side over here, they, they built a place for a restaurant and, uh, and a place to have a car wash. And I'm looking around like, where'd you come up with all this stuff? Who built a church, restaurants, and car washers and a gas station all in the same acre? Who does that? Different rules. They think differently. We're not governed by the same fear and worry whether we're going to be accepted or not. Is that God called us to minister to people here. We'll do it, whatever it takes. And so they buy a piece of land for nothing and dig it out. Now, here's the catch. When they lowered the man through the roof, they lowered him through the roof everybody's watching them get up on the roof they skipped in front of the line they didn't care they had to get the guy down in front of Jesus at all costs so they're breaking the rules so they dig through the man's roof they lower him down in front of Jesus and the whole crowd is like whoa nobody was thinking that so now he's laying here so I don't know if if I were that guy, I'd be like, "Dude, I'm in front of Jesus now, bang!" But to get healed, I heard about the guy with leprosy. Now he didn't have leprosy anymore. And what does Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Wait a second. My four friends drug me all the way out here. We got here late, and then we had to skip in front of the line, climb up on the roof. They dug a hole in the man's roof with. I guess we got to pay for it later. Drop me down in front of you, and now you're d- forget. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, thanks. Still got this leg issue laying here in front of everyone, by the way. Sins are forgiven. You know what? God, oftentimes, we show up, we do something innovative, and then during the innovation process, we kind of get lost, don't we? Because God's trying to produce things in us through the process that we weren't expecting at the beginning. And so... Which is the better thing, having your sins are forgiven or legs that work? But it's not what we're expecting when we get there. And so it happened, it happened on this project. I don't know if you can put that last picture back up. I was right the first time I was there. Uh, go back to where you see the roof. I was, I was 100% right. I remember standing down at the bottom and telling Dan, Dan, I think the kill's gonna cave in on the church. I've been around construction long enough. I can look up and see the soil. And so I started asking some questions. I said, oh, we had somebody test the soil. It's fine. And I'm going, no, it ain't. There ain't no way that soil's fine. I mean, this thing was steep. And there was a lot of it. So we go back there. And I start talking to Evans. And he said, man, we had to build a retaining wall because the wall collapsed while the church was being built. He said, I would sit up at night and pray. He said, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and pray, God, hold the dirt back. God, hold the dirt back. He said, I was so afraid that dirt was going to fall in on the church or i building it and crush the whole thing. He said, so we had to come in and build retaining walls. And I went. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was like, oh, really? Huh. Can't imagine. So they came in. you could see right in the front of the church there was some retaining walls there. So now, because they have retaining walls, they're going to have another section of parking that they weren't expecting when they first built the church because they were just going to have a bank. But now that something happened in the process of them going out doing something innovative that they didn't expect, now they've got retaining walls and more parking areas. So when you show up just to get healed and God forgives you of your sins, come on. You see, when you step out and you're willing to break the rules, God is producing things in you that you can't imagine. God will begin to produce things in you that you never dreamed were even there. But the key is you gotta show up and then you gotta break the rules. You gotta, you gotta do whatever it takes to be, to, to, to get to the roof. You gotta see things that other people don't see. You gotta go, I'm not gonna let fear govern my life anymore. I'm not going to let what people think govern my life. I'm not going to let just because 10 people think I need to stand in line and wait my turn. I'm not going to let that deter me from seeking God with all my heart. I'm not going to let me being the only Mazungu within, within, within hundreds of miles deter me from preaching stay to a guy in Kahancha so that he won't give up. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So, so, the beautiful part is, is when you show up and, and you, and you do the innovative thing and you break the rules and God does things in you that you don't expect. And so the guy that showed up to get his legs healed actually had his sins forgiven. But the process took a little bit longer than he thought. While Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, he, he might have expected like, okay, uh, the healing's coming right next. And then the Bible says that, that there's an argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. And the guy's like, dude, I don't have time for a theological argument right now. Jesus says, why do you think this way? Do you think it's easier for me to say sins are forgiven or for somebody to get up that was sick? And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not into having theological arguments on whether... Breaking the rules to reach people for Christ is, is a worthy cause or not. So while all the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are standing over here worried about whether, well, whether it's the right thing for us to do or whether it's the wrong thing for us to do, let's just go out and do it. And then at the end, they can debate whether we were right or wrong. But build a church on the side of a hill that caves into a river. You can debate whether that's right or wrong till Jesus comes back. There's going to be people saved in that building. So when everybody in town is debating whether the hill will fall in, people are on their knees serving Christ. So we can get so caught up in that. Well, I don't know if God's okay with that. Did somebody get saved? Okay. Pretty sure he's okay with that. So... Rewrite the rules about who you are able to hang around or places you're able to go or who you're allowed to minister to. Jesus rewrote all those rules. If he knew who it was that touched him, he wouldn't let her do that. And he said, man, I didn't come for the people who didn't need a doctor. I came for the sick. And so I'm rewriting all your rules now. I hang around with drunkards and sinners and tax collectors and everybody that you cast off because your rules don't mean anything to me. Redeeming and saving. I came to to seek and save those that are lost. And if your rules fit into that, that's fine. But if they don't, get ready. Because I'm going to break all of them. Because innovation requires me to do that. And I came to do that. So they get into this argument. They're like, he's not allowed to forgive, that's blasphemy. He's not allowed. And Jesus stops and says, What's easier for me to do? Forgive someone's sins or to heal them. So just so you know who's sitting in front of you, just so you know there's no question that the Son of God has come here. Get up. And the thing that they drug him therefore finally happened. And while. Innovation may be a process while breaking the rules and stepping out and do something you've never done before might be a process. The end result is always worth it. Amen. It doesn't matter what they say to you as you're climbing the ladder. It doesn't matter how they're arguing over whether it's to, forgiving your sins is right or not or even if you're forgivable. But if you will stay through the process, it's always worth it. And the Bible says the man got up and picked up what he was laying on and went off rejoicing. He said, I don't need to hang around here anymore. You guys can take my spot now. I'm out of here. I've gotten what I've come for. And now he went off rejoicing. I want to challenge you this morning, church. There's things God wants us to do that seem impossible. The things that God put in your heart that you put out uh, as soon as they came in because you thought, Lord, there is no way. And he said, no, 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 it just seems like it. And I want to tell you that now more than ever before, God has allowed me to experience things that I've never, I never dreamed I would experience. A kid that grew up in a, in a difficult situation with government assistance from, from, since I was eight years old and my dad got sick and, and couldn't even get out of a chair. And thinking, I can remember... When I first got married, telling my wife, "I don't have a college education. I don't know anything." Telling my wife, "I don't think we'll ever own a house. I don't think we'll ever," because the rules that governed my brain at that time stifled anything God wanted to do. I said, "I don't think this will, I don't think these things will never happen." And I wake up on the other side of the planet with a chicken head in a bucket. People were smiling all around me, wanting me to eat it. I don't want to take the choice meat. I'll take the the leg, it's fine. i shake myself sometimes. Here's what happened. I threw the rules off and just said yes. That's all I did and some of you need to start thinking like that like it's not impossible anymore Emmanuel, God with us, he's come he's changed everything, everything's different now and all you have to do is when you hear that small voice say come on just say yes yes Lord follow you wherever that takes me I won't fear I won't regret, I'll say yes when the opportunity comes up I'll say yes If I have to reschedule, I'll say yes. I'll say yes, Lord, to whatever you want me to do. Watch where God takes us as a church. Watch where he takes you as an individual. Watch what he can do in your life. You'll inspire people. You'll stand up and say, man, I never dreamed anything like this would ever happen. I bet you when the guy left carrying his mat, he said, man, a week ago, I never dreamed. I'd be walking today but I've met Jesus and I said yes stand to your feet Father we thank you this morning what has seemed to be impossible in our lives for so many years Lord you walk into it and in an instant make it possible in your economy there is no one saying I can't do this but in your economy it's I can through Christ. And I pray, Lord, that the, some of the rules that have governed our thinking for so long and kept us from, from stepping out, kept us from doing innovative things, I pray that you that give us the strength to shatter them today, Lord. Let us believe for a whole new possibility. Let us believe today. Let us say yes to your call today, Lord. Let us say yes to what's possible today. And Lord, we pray that as we do this, this gospel would rapidly go forward. In this town, and the towns adjoining, in the states adjoining, God, in countries we haven't visited yet. I pray that because we say yes and believe it is possible that you'd send us far and wide. I pray, Lord, that you'd do great things through us. Lord, that you'd receive glory and honor and the kingdom of heaven would be populated because of it. Thank you for the opportunity. And Lord, I pray that you give courage and strength, power to this church. Let us do something new, God. Let us do something that no one else is doing. Let us be innovative for your kingdom. And we'll give you the honor and the glory because of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Could you do that this morning? Give him honor and glory.